Welcome to What Do You Think? I'm Al. And I'm C. And uh, C, you what? made me do this. Uh, what? What? Well, you yes, made I, me do I, this. I made you do this. But oh, the God. question is, why did I make you do this? Why? <sighs> why? Why? Why is Disney like this? So why? we can get back up again. Wait, wrong phrase. Sorry. Wrong phrase. Yeah, wrong uh, phrase. Yeah. I, I, I don't. <sighs> I don't. What? I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get what what happened to Disney. I mean, I mean, you know, money. Is, what is it? Is it the money? Is it just the money? Of course, it's the money. Of course, it's okay. The money. Okay. Okay. D- see, listen. We're not. We don't have uh, MBAs. We're not. We're not like shrewd businessmen. Obviously, we we do a we do a tiny podcast. We're not. We're yeah. not shrewd businessmen. But no, I think you and I both know, having lived in a capitalistic society like the United States here in Whee! the West. Yes. Yes. We understand that. The best way to make money is by offering such a great product, such a great service that like you're not you're not uh, affected by the competing services and products that would cause you that in order to be competitive, you have to kind of lower your 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 asking price. Right. I think that's a very, very standard thing like like the the better quality, the be- like the better measurable quality a good or service is the the ostensibly the more you can charge and not worry about the competition but that becomes inherently more difficult to determine if your business is resides within an artistic field okay okay true 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 and art is the most subjective thing in the world i get that i understand that but you don't you don't like it but you understand it <laughs> i understand but you know i l- let me put it to you this way people mm-hmm. You know a good movie when you see it, right? We we like 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 we we all saw The Godfather and we were like that's a good fucking movie, right? Mm-hmm. We we all we all saw uh Freddy Got Fingered and we're all like that was hot dog shit garbage. Mm-hmm. Like like we know a good movie when we see it. So Disney Disney should be able to at least make a, a, if not a good movie, a competent movie. Because they've been in this business for a hundred fucking years. They talk about it all the time right now. They're talking about it all the time. But for some reason, for some reason, and it's it's affected. I Really and truly, I think it started... It either started... It, it, I don't know. Maybe there, there are many points in time that we can point and say like, oh, this is kind of where when Disney started just going like from mediocre and then from mediocre to just bland. A lot of people say it was it started with 2010 with the Alice in Wonderland uh, adaptation they made. Mm -hmm. Um, a A lot of people say that it started like after after 2015 uh, when uh, Age of Ultron was like kind of a middling movie. And still more say it really started in 2018, uh, 2017, 2018, when their live action fairy tales stuff is, which is what they call their uh, their live action adaptation of their animated canon works, is when mm-hmm. things started kind of going downhill. Like, like there's a lot of points people argue about things going downhill, but. Mm-hmm. I think we can. And it's it's never one thing at the end it's, of the day. Yeah, it's never one thing. But I think we can all agree that um, there. So so there's like there's like three big 
tentacles of Disney, at least in terms of movies. The mm-hmm. Marvel stuff, the Lucasfilm stuff, which includes Star Wars, mm-hmm. and obviously the the OG Disney stuff. Oh, the original, and, and, co- yeah, yeah, original content. Yeah, um, the, the that's kind of didn't buy. That's kind of like the big, big three. I know, I know. There's Fox in there too, but but Fox is is kind of like the it, pinky. Yeah, it's kind of like the pinky. It's not. It's not as big as the other fingers. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 listen, we can all agree that the the recent Star Wars movies, the last Star Wars movie, was not good. I think we can all agree there. Yeah, the everyone last, agrees the last one was not good. The the last couple of Marvel movies before uh, before Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three were average at best. Like, and that that's putting it kindly. And make no mistake, all a lot of the live action stuff from Disney, especially their live action fairy tales, mm-hmm. have have not been good for a while. No, like, they have not. Like. What would you say was like the last quote unquote good one? Like, like I, I like Aladdin, like the, so, the, so the Aladdin remake with Will Smith. I, I like if that. If and, we're just talking the remakes and not the, you know, alternate sides, the be, you know, the ones that are like a different take on, like I'm not talking about. Oh if no, not, well, if, well, I, I'm. If we're not talking that. about like, so are you including Maleficent and Cruella? I'm including Maleficent. I'm including Cruella. I'm including. Uh, Dumbo, because Dumbo's kind of also a reinterpretation. I'm okay. including the Alice in Wonderland duology. Okay, you're calling. Okay, so, so not not case... just the straight like 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 literally just copying what the what the animated film did. I'm sure. talking about anything that's an adaptation of their animated canon. Oh well, then uh, Cruella is probably currently the last good one. Was... I haven't seen Cruella. Uh, to be oh, fair. it's great! It's great! It's okay. like that's the one they really dismiss well so it, it came out during covid make that of it what you will okay but, that, that's fair that's fair the last but one that's that's a really good it's a really good one the last one i saw that i was like this is this is good or not great but it's good was uh was aladdin because i mm-hmm. thought will smith gave a great reinterpretation of genie i thought they did this really interesting thing where they expanded the story in a way that made it a bit more interesting and uh the additional song was not awful wasn't great but it was not awful mm. um so yeah but you know you you're not the only one who have mentioned that i need to see corella that where they're like no 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 corella is great and i'm like oh it's the guy who directed i Tonya. i probably should watch it i just never yeah. get around to yeah. um now the last one i saw before the one we're folks we're reviewing the remake of the little mermaid the disney remake of their of their of the oh of yeah the we didn't Mer- mention that we're talking yeah. about little mermaid joe yeah, we're talking. So Disney has remade the first entry into their era that was known as the Disney Renaissance, mm-hmm. The Little Mermaid. Also, arguably, if not, it's it's always it's always up there with like top three of the Disney Renaissance era. It's oh, always yeah. Mer- Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Lion, Lion King. King. Yep. Yeah, it's always those three. They're like, yep. and now all, all of them have been remade. Uh, yep. So. Oh, you're last... right. Oh, God. Well, no. Um... No, 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 no. Like no. those three have been remade. Oh, the, the three. Yeah, the but, three. but the three that haven't out of the Renaissance. So the Disney Renaissance started in 1989 mm-hmm. with uh, when uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg took over the Disney animated uh, the Disney animated section 
of mm. of of the of the of the corporation. Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney at the time, uh, and really and truly, what what sets it apart was that uh, the the Little Mermaid. What set it apart was that they started using a digital technology to kind of uh, to kind of uh, um, um, bind the the frames together to animate mm -hmm. right they uh, were still hand-drawn but they bound them together digitally uh it was it was called um caps or something i don't know i it's been a while since i took my animation history course <laughs> you took but, an animation history course well it was it was in it was in the film history oh wow yeah yeah um and uh so and this is how you can tell the eras apart from the like the dark age of Disney animation to the Disney Renaissance. Mm -hmm. Watch Oliver and Company. You see all the, the 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 you see like all like the scraggly lines along the outlines of the of the animated characters. You see mm -hmm. it on the cat, on the dogs. Uh, it's very. You watch that movie and you're like, yeah, that's an old movie. Yes. But also little, the reused animation models. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But then watch The Little Mermaid, and that's where everyone – that's literally where everyone's like, oh, yeah, that's modern animation or modern 2D animation because it's smoother. The lines mm -hmm. are the lines are so smooth and so clean. So, you know, uh, Oliver and Company, dirty lines, dirty outlines. Little Mermaid, the cleanest lines that, you, that was ever seen in the industry up until that point. Yep. So, yeah. So, so yeah, Little Mermaid starts it. And then it was followed by the Rescuers Down Under, and then it was Beauty and the Beast, and then which after really Beauty, wow, yeah. That, yeah. And then it was Aladdin, mm -hmm. and then we had uh, after Aladdin we had I believe The Lion King, and then we had and Pocahontas within the same time frame. The Lion King, Pocahontas, then The Hunchback of Notre Dame, mm -hmm. then uh, Mulan. And finally, the Disney Renaissance ends with 1999's uh, Tarzan. So basically, like, 89 to 99, Disney Renaissance. Yep. And for most millennials, for most millennials in their 30s, the Disney Renaissance was Disney. That, that, that yeah. literally... It still is to us in a lot of ways. Yeah, like, the odds are that... It, it was like a almost 70-30 thing that 70% of millennials, their first Disney movie, was one of those uh, 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 films that came out between 89 and 90. Mm -hmm. One of those. The other 30% was either a Mickey short or one of the old Walt Disney uh, 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 animated studios films. We also, um, I'm sorry, we forgot Treasure Planet and, uh, uh, no, Treasure Planet came out later. No, Tre Treasure uh, Planet was during the, I, I think they call it the second dark age of Disney animation. Cause, okay. cause so after, after Tarzan, it's dinosaur and from that dinosaur till bolt, like the, the movie bolt from yeah. dinosaur till bolt, that was considered, uh, the second dark age of Disney animation. Where like mm. nothing like like they were just getting their asses kicked by Pixar. Wait, when was Atlantis? It was also during that dark age. Okay, that was during that dark age. Gotcha. Yeah. So so because Atlantis came out after Dinosaur. There oh, were yeah, some good was... movies. There were some good movies in that dark age. Like everyone agrees, the best movie that came out in that dark age was either Bolt or uh, The Emperor's New Groove. Yes. Um, yes. 
Um, but but that by far is the one where people say like, oh, the worst Disney movies of of. A lot of people would say that the second Dark Age was when the worst Disney movies came out, like um, Chicken Little. Uh, people uh, don't look at the other movies people they have like a cult following people look back on them fondly in certain ways but no and obviously treasure planet was their biggest bomb yeah well up until strange world strange world was a bigger bomb which came really yeah it came out last year it came out this year or last this year it came out this year um but yeah uh just again an aside so so the new the second uh the second Disney Renaissance, what p- some people call this era, is started with. Um, some people would say it started with. Uh, some people would say it started with um, with uh, the Princess and the Frog, which came out in two thousand nine. Um, but I think Bolt came out after that. Uh, but mm-hmm. almost everyone agrees. Like, if it's not that one, it's Frozen that ended it. No, 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 no. Oh. Tangled. Oh yeah, you're right. Tangled. Tangled. You're right. Um, so, it, so I've... some people include Princess and the Frog and Bolt. Other people say no. It started with Tangled. Um, I tend to think like, like, like there was a little bit of overlap because you definitely see the same ideas in Princess in Tangled that you see in Princess and the Frog. Mm-hmm. But but Bolt really was kind of that last like type of movie that Disney was making up until they started doing the the fairy tale musicals again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and that's currently the era we're in right now. Although some people say it kind of ended with Frozen Two, but um, because everything after Frozen Two has kind of been a, a bit like Rough. like mix mix to say like like Strange World, Strange World bombed, and not a lot of people liked it. In fact, very yeah. few people liked it. Um, mm. And you know, because say also... what you about Treasure Planet bombing, people love that. Well, well, now they do, right? Yeah. Now they do. But anyway, kind of, kind of circling Anyways. back to to Little Mermaid. Um, this is their, ri- one of their crown jewels. Yeah, it's one of their crown jewels. So, really, really quick, uh, see, uh, just so we yeah. can get on with our review. Uh, yes. Your experience see. with the Disney Renaissance, your experience with Little sure. Mermaid. Take either path you want in that question. Sure. So, I know for a fact that I saw most of the Disney Renaissance movies in theaters from 99, but, or I'm sorry, the second half of Disney Renaissance movies in theaters, I should say. Uh, but I don't, I only remember clips of them in theaters. What I really remember them fully is watching them in my living room on days off because my sister loved them. Like, One other thing, loved I, them. and I'm really embarrassed to say this. I totally yeah. forgot. Hercules was also in that oh, list. Oh, of course. And as oh a my child, gosh, Hercules was one of my favorites. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Hercules. I'm so sorry. Yeah. You're also part of the Disney Renaissance. It is, but it was also, even at the time, didn't it, it didn't bomb, but it didn't do great. Yeah, it, it didn't do great. Hercules came out. I, I forget when Hercules came out. I don't know if it was after Pocahontas or after Hunchback, but um, yeah. But yeah, it, it, it like like yeah, it was kind of on. It was kind of when the Disney Renaissance was where where they're like, okay, this is good, but it's not great. Yeah. Although now it, people would say it's great. But. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Even like the what it, what were considered the less incredible films of the Disney Renaissance were still are still way superior to stuff to like even some of the best stuff of the dark like, ages. No joke. Like that's how crazy it is. No joke. Like this era of Disney of Disney filmmaking, you will find a sizable number of people who will defend 
like each entry as the quote unquote best one. Like, oh, yeah. like obviously, obviously the biggest groups would be it's Lion King, it's Beauty and the Beast, it's Little Mermaid. But you have you have some go with Aladdin. Some people you have hardcore Aladdin defenders, hardcore mm-hmm. Hercules, hard like I've had people say, oh, Hunchback of Notre Dame is the best one ever made. Oh, you get intense people with that one. Yeah. Uh, the only one is like and even like the 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 redheaded stepchild of it, the rescuers down under. Which mm-hmm. which people always forget was part of the Disney Renaissance. You you'll still have people say like, oh, that's the most underrated one because it it has mm-hmm. such a complete story and you know the 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 story between the eagle and the boy is so good. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, like this is an era of filmmaking where you will find someone saying like, not even the MCU back when like they can do no wrong had this level of like defenders for every entry. Yeah. No, they didn't. They really didn't. But my 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 um, understanding of it was more through the VHS tapes I had at home because mm-hmm. my sister loved, and I mean loved, uh, The Little Mermaid. Um, it was so intense for her. As a, I mean, look, she was a little girl, of course. Like I'm not making fun of her for that. It's a reality. But it was so intense that we had a copy of the VHS tape at our house and my grandparent, both my grandparents' house, <laughs> because we, un- my parents just understood that if they needed to, like, it, they could easily just put that on, but they weren't gonna, they didn't want to worry about forgetting to bring that around. So it was just ready to go at every possible household <laughs> that was necessary. Um, what was what was your favorite one? My favorite as a ch- so at. As a child, probably, honestly, probably Hercules at the time. Um, for a while, I was, you know, it's 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 really funny. I loved the giant Titan monsters in it. Um, I, you know, it was definitely, yeah. At the time, it was very much designed for like. I felt, you know, it was very much made for boys, so to speak, to be into. But with nerdy boys, I should say, who liked, you know, monsters and stuff like that. I think, And it was also funny. So I think that's what appeased, why I, I liked it the most. Um, but I definitely remember The Little Mermaid very intensely because my sister would watch it all the time. Um, and I think... Looking back now, it definitely has some of the most iconic songs, obviously. Um, but I don't know. My relationship with it is, yeah, with the Renaissance is more than the VHS tapes my parents had. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of yeah. right there with you. Like I I never saw any of them in theaters at all. Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't start going to a th- I didn't start going to a theater until um, 2004. Uh, when uh, Monst- Monsters Inc. came out, so by then, like obviously, the Renaissance was over, and yeah. I, I honestly did not see my first Disney animated film in, t- in theaters until, ooh, actually, a, a while. Um, like, was it Monsters? Monsters or Monsters Inc.? I mean, though that's Pixar. Oh, uh, oh, you mean Disney animated? Okay, I thought you. Said yeah, Disney. An- I'm, I'm trying to think what was my first like Disney animated film in theaters that I saw. Like when it came out, it probably like, like really 
really late in life. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, no, my, uh, my, 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 my parents would buy the, would buy the, uh, VHS tapes would buy those VHS tapes and the clamshells. Yeah. Oh yeah. The clamshells, the clamshells, you know, the ones that always like started breaking like a month into owning them. Yeah. They were cheap. Yeah. Cheap. Um, so I always associated the clamshells with kids movies. I remember that. Yeah. Cause I think they usually were. Um, so, okay. So no joke. Yeah. My first Disney animated film I saw in theaters was Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> So really late in life, wow. really, really late in life. Like, Damn, like dude. but I've, I've seen all the, actually, I don't think I've ever finished bolt, but I've seen everything else. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so kind of, kind of going back. So clamshells, um, and my <laughs> folks, if Sorry. you're not a millennial, you're like, what the fuck are they talking about? Clamshells. So, so basically yeah. what, so Google basically, Google so basically just tape clamshells. Yeah. So basically um, there was like this unspoken rule or maybe there was a rule. I don't know where uh, films that were explicitly for children, uh, mm. all the rated G films. I don't know. I don't know about all the PG films. I know somewhere, but I know definitely all the G films. There was an unwritten rule amongst the studios that they had to be in a clamshell. The VHSs had to be in a clamshell. Right. They yeah. weren't in the standard like VHS uh, sleeve. They had to be G- in these cl- these plastic clamshells that would open, and you would pull out the the VHS and put it in. You know why? It was for safety reasons. I'm not kidding. Really? So because this is really weird. I don't know the full story, but you know, listen, kids ruin everything at some point, and apparently there was an incident. Okay, I'll put it this way. You remember when some child choked on those. Uh, uh, plastic pokeballs from uh, Burger King or McDonald's. How and those like, things were? Those things were gigantic. I know, but it happened. You don't know this story? I, I no, no. Okay, there was an incident where basically a kid choked on one of the pokeballs. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know the circumstance, but it happened, and then they had to recall all of them. But a similar incident happened where, um. The kids were playing. Somehow a kid got hurt with a VHS tape because it was, you know, the cardboard corners were hard and kind of sharp. And I think somehow it ended up hurting the kid. Like, I think another kid threw it at a kid, another kid's face or something and they got hurt. So Disney then making sure they're parent friendly or kid friendly. What am I saying? And parent friendly. Um decided to put them in these soft clamshells where they could be easily damaged. But also, A... The clamshell would get damaged, but not the tape, but also it could be tossed around and, you know, it was soft, so it wouldn't really cause any harm. Okay, I can see I can see them being like, okay, kids throw these things, let's keep them in something safe. But the, the, listen, folks, for those who had those clamshells, like if you threw that thing across the room or you th- even threw it, like if you dropped it, the clamshell, if, especially once the clamshell was a little damaged, it would just open and throw out the, the VHS and your VHS would still be messed up. And oh, it was the, horrible quality. And, and the corners of the clamshells were sharper than the corners of the cardboard sleeve. No, I know. They didn't but really. It, it was yeah, like, yeah. It was uh, avoiding a pothole to jump off a cliff by jumping yeah. off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, like, yeah. So uh, my parents, you know, didn't take us to the movie theaters. Obviously, if you can tell that my first movie theater experience was until 2004. Uh, but they would buy the films. They bought 
uh, of the Disney Renaissance films that they bought, it was uh, Lion King. Um, did did they buy? No, no, no. They so so. The funny thing was is that they they I know they bought Lion King because I ruined that VHS tape. <laughs> yeah. Um, but everything else was kind of gifted to us. I know Mulan was gifted to us. Uh, uh, Hunchback was gifted to us, and Hercules was gifted to us. Uh, ironically enough, um, we never owned like Aladdin or or Little Mermaid or Beauty and the Beast because I, a cousin of mine who I'm really I'm so close with today, he his family had them. So if we ever wanted to watch it, we just we just went to their house <laughs> just mm, to show sense. you how like big families are like, oh, we, you don't have to buy all of them. We'll buy some. You buy some. And then when our kids hang out, they'll watch it together. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great way to do it. Yeah. So uh, so obviously we own Lion King. That was my favorite. Uh, that one's still close to my heart. Uh, I loved it. I I obsessed over it. Um my sister, though, she wasn't a Little Mermaid girl. She she wanted to, to be uh, against the grain. She was a Pocahontas girl, a hardcore Pocahontas girl. And when I, when wow. I mean hardcore, I mean her room was head-to-toe Pocahontas. Damn, um, that's that's rare. That is rare. So uh, so I wasn't exposed. To, I mean, I, I'd seen it, obviously, because my cousin owned it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I knew watching it that, like, you know, it, it was that same Disney quality that I was expecting even as a child. But on top of that, what, what made it really interesting was was the fact that it was what? Uh, I just thought of something horrible. Disney hires Terrence Malick to do Pocahontas. <laughs> well, Terrence Malick, Terrence Malick just goes in and just gives them a 35 millimeter reel of the new world and goes like, OK, done. Wow. Like, no, it's like a recut version though, and there's these horrible CGI talking animals inserted. Oh my god! Oh my god! That that's Terrence, amazing. That's so first funny. of all, first of all, if di- listen, 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 oh if, if um, Bob Iger, it's, lo- it's longer somehow. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> Bob Iger goes up and announces we got Terrence Malick to direct our Pocahontas. People would be like. It would make a billion dollars because people would want to see if it was either a train wreck or one of the best films of the decade. <laughs> They'll be like, well, if anyone was going to do it right, it was going to be Terrence Malick. Oh, my God. Ter- Terrence Malick goes like, yeah, and uh, we got Christian Bale again for Rolf. He's, he's going to be playing Rolf. And Christian Bale's oh going to be like, God. well, that was a downgrade. He goes from Rolf, down- he goes from Rolf and Pocahontas to, to, to playing uh, John Smith in, in The New World. To playing Rolf again. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was the voice of Rolf. Yeah, yeah pe- people do. People forget. That. But, uh, but no. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know, I I liked it. I liked it fine. I I, I would say, yeah. believe it or not, I I think my. You know, it came out the same time as Indian in the Cupboard movie. What? So remember the you know the Indian in the Cupboard. The yeah, yeah, yeah. I I owned that on VHS. So that movie and Pocahontas were released on the same weekend. Oh, uh, poor Frank Oz. I know. See, poor, poor Frank Oz. I know because the Indian in the Cupboard movie is great. Yeah, it's a great movie. It has an underrated score. It's it's by the guy who did um, it's it, it's by the guy who did like the 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 Last of the Mohicans, yeah. uh, uh, Dragonheart. The so famous famous scores. Oh, and uh, it even though the effects aren't fantastic, they still like. 
when you look back, you're like, oh, wow, for the time, that's impressive. Like, you got to give mean, credit. I mean, I believed it as a kid. It's, oh, it's yeah. a great little movie, folks. If you if you ever want to see, like, an underrated kids movie, Indian in the Cupboard. But yep. um, it's directed by Frank Oz, who most of you will know is, like, the voice of Yoda and um, Miss Piggy. <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, right. And, but this, this – and you might think, oh, is this, like, a Muppet movie type thing? No, it's not puppets. It's actually – it's actually People. a very like grounded, um, very grounded fantasy movie. But but yeah. going back to Little Anyways. Mermaid, yeah, going back to Little Mermaid, um, you know, watching it, I remember thinking to myself like, okay, well, uh, I, uh, like it was weird. Like so when Sebastian came on stream, I was like, oh, this fucking crab. But then like as the movie goes on, I was like, actually no, I like the crab. Oh, I don't want the crab to die. I like him. So uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of what I attached myself. And obviously, I think most girls who watched it attached themselves to Ariel, you know, the, course. the rebellious, like the rebellious child of this authority figure stuff. Apparently, yeah. at the time of its release, it was a big deal that she was a redhead. Like that was a th- that was like a shock, apparently, which is yeah. weird to think about it. Yeah. But it yeah. was like, oh, my God, why? And it's like, who ca- now you look back and you're like, why was that a big deal? But at the time, it was a talked about element. Yeah. And uh, okay, so before we start, before we watch the trailer and finally give our review, one yes. one final thing I, I'd, I'll, I'll add is mm-hmm. that folks start. I think it was like okay, so for 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 some time, like starting in the mid two thousands, the live action department of the Disney Studios would like kind of release remakes of their older stuff, um, but I don't think it was until. 2010 when tim burton does it's not even like an adaptation it's like a distant sequel to Mm -hmm. alice in wonderland Mm -hmm. where where they're like okay uh let's let's go into our animated canon and let's let's make a live action movie about that and i think what what worked with tim burton or what what people thought was going to work was like well tim burton it's going to be a tim burton movie first and the disney it's going to be like a reinterpretation of the disney movie second well no one realized that it was going to be a tim burton movie in the sense of his worst impulses mm-hmm. and it was going to be it was going to the whole like disney stuff was going to be such an after like there's nothing from the disney film that you can really find in tim burton's alice in wonderland like nothing no. like I, I, like it's a shame here's what's real i've always said well no I believe that the fact that Tim Burton made a bad Alice in Wonderland movie is well, really depressing. Well, it he is. made a he, first he made a bad Alice in Wonderland movie, but he also just made a bad like re- adaptation of a of a Disney property in the sense of like mm-hmm. this is the iconic stuff from the Disney movie that you'll remember. Like like not even the Cheshire Cat looks like the Cheshire Cat from the movie no. or from the original animated movie. But anyway, mm-hmm. so so that but here's the thing: that movie made a billion dollars. Yeah, no joke. That movie well. made a billion dollars. And most yeah. people will say, well, yeah, it was in the height of the 3D craze. Of course, it made a billion dollars because it was in 3D. Um, but it made a billion dollars. And that opened up the the dollar signs in Bob Iger's eyes. And they're oh, like, yeah. hey, what if we keep doing this? And they they did for, for a bit. Um, they did for a bit. Uh, but it really but they would st- select their lesser known properties. They exactly. wouldn't do the big, they wouldn't do, in fact, famously, they wouldn't touch the well-known, uh, Renaissance films. Yeah. Uh, but then like in 2015, uh, they release Cinderella directed by, um, uh, uh, the guy, the guy who does all the Shakespeare stuff. 
Uh, oh, he just he just um, won his Oscar for Belfast. Oh my God, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. He directs Cinderella. And here's the thing: I've seen Cinderella. Cinderella is great. It's it's basically it is an adaptation of the Disney version of the Cinderella story, but they add stuff to it. They expand on things. The romance between Prince Charming and Cinderella is really, really believable. And and listen, Kate Blanchett as the stepmother. Oh my God, it's it's it worked. It just works. It was great. And Cinderella, when it came out, it didn't do gangbusters, but it got a lot of critical acclaim. People were like, "Wow, this is great. This is amazing." And because you know Cinderella was like the A list tier of like Disney properties, Disney was like, "Oh, I I guess we can do this." And then the next year they released something that isn't a list here, but they were like test. They, they release it because it was shockingly a passion project for the director. Mm-hmm. Uh, they released John Favreau's uh, adaptation of jungle book mm-hmm. and John Favreau loved the animation as a child. It's, it was the animation he grew up with and he wanted to tell a jungle book story. Now they had already done this multiple times before there was a jungle book movie in the nineties, except mm-hmm. it was with, uh, with live action animals and shot on a set and stuff. I, did you ever see it? I did. And it's actually, it's an interesting, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not great, but it's interesting. It's yeah. very, like, it was yeah. very bold at the time. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's a darker take on, on, on the material, but you yeah. know, John Favreau was like, I want to make the, the animated film, but, you know, in live action. But what he did was that uh, all the animals were photorealistic. All the animals were CGI. So the Jungle Book does gangbusters. That movie blew the socks off uh, of, of audiences because they were like <laughs> shocked that they were like, this is such a perfect adaptation of Jungle Book. Like <laughs> same thing with Cinderella expanded. Uh, it, it didn't expand on a lot of things, <laughs> but it got the characters right. Uh, all the casting was top notch. Even Scarlett Johansson as uh, the snake, um, even though the snake in the the first one is uh, is male, um, and the kid who played Mowgli was was everyone was like, oh my god, it's just like Mowgli from the movie, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, that movie does great. And then the next year we get Beauty and the Beast, and Beauty and the Beast did not get the same reception as as uh, the Jungle Book. People were like. Emma Watson really can't sing that well. Um, Dan Stevens is great as is great at as the Beast, um, but people but, didn't like the way the Beast looked. Yeah, people didn't like the way the Beast looked, and people did not like it because now they added a song. Beauty and the Beast <laughs> is where they added a song. They added That's this original right. song uh, given to the Beast for him to sing his his <laughs> own solo song, and people were like, oh, "We're not really into that." And this kind of starts to trend. So Beauty and the Beast was the first quote unquote Disney Renaissance film to be to get an adaptation of this sort. Right. Mm-hmm. And followed by that, John Favreau got announced as the director for a Lion King CGI reinterpretation. Guy Ritchie got announced as directing uh, um, uh, Aladdin. Nikki Caro got announced as directing Mulan. And like they announced a lot at once, not at once, but like in like one after the other. And then Rob Marshall got announced as directing the little mermaid. And here we are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, see, how's about you and me watch the trailer and then we start giving our thoughts on this movie. Please. I need to, Oh God. Oh, hi, don't die. Abandoned ship! 
off world. A man was drowning. I had to save him. This obsession with humans has to stop. I just want to know more about them. Ariel, don't! Poor child. I can help you. You can't live in that world unless you become a human yourself. Is that even possible? <laughs> it's what I live for. <laughs> Something about you seems different. I can't quite figure it out. She got legs, you idiot. You're a mermaid. That doesn't make us enemies. I know you're going to say that's a good trailer. No. No, I'm not. Alan no, Menken not. music and Howard Ashman lyrics. That's yeah. what that's what gets you. That's what gets you. That's here's the thing. This this movie is like what listening to a great a remixed or sorry a you know like when they remix or re-release uh when when singers and artists re-release their music and they like re-record it that's what this is like because it's like okay yes this has of course the the music is great but no i'm fully aware that this is not even a good trailer it's just those songs are great songs yeah that's yeah. the fact. Part of your world is okay. First of all, The Little Mermaid has three very famous songs, and I would say f- even four amazing songs. No other Disney movie has four amazing songs. That's really. I mean, think of okay. The four amazing songs are Part of Your World, uh, Under the Sea. Uh, okay, Kiss the Girl is a very good song, but it's very catchy, uh-huh. and. Um, um, the last one, which is the lesser known one, but it's still a great song, is uh, Ursula's song, Poor Unfortunate Souls, which might be like one of the few good villain songs. I don't know. About the- okay, okay. It's a great listen, song. Listen, I would say the villain song in Hunchback of Notre Dame is the best one. <laughs> but that's less, okay, that song, how much, that's... Like fire, hell no, fire. But this- it's... I don't know. It, it, it's intense. Yes. It's very okay, intense. Okay. 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 But I, w- yeah. I won't deliver it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We're not here to argue about which is the best villain song. No. You're just wrong. <laughs> Thanks. That's a separate episode, separ- 60, episode 63. <laughs> can go fuck himself. <laughs> uh, and then in little, in little quotes, you just go emotional. It's emotional. Like, <laughs> emotional. Um, okay. Okay. No, All right. No, no. Uh, I, I'm just I, kidding. Listen, I don't know what C thinks about this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. I was I went into this expecting to hate the movie because the trailers did not look good. And no. 
No offense to the actress. Uh, is her name is her name pronounced Halle Berry as well? I'm not a hundred percent sure. Or okay, Hal Bailey, or Halle Bailey instead of Halle Berry. Okay, yeah, Halle Bailey. <laughs> God. And credit, you know, I, you know, you know, she took that because I don't know if that's her real name, but you know, when she signed her SAG Africa card, she's like, yeah, people. People will will definitely associate me with Halle Berry, but who knows? Who knows? I don't. I don't know. Halle don't know. Bailey, uh, in the trailers and in the clips that were released, outside of her sing- her, her singing is good. Oh, uh, like she she can sing. She, she can sing. The 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 girl can sing. Like make no mistake about it. The the but all the clips, all the trailers where she had to act and not sing, I was like, oh, that's not great. Um. You know, I expected to hate this the moment it was announced that, oh, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote three songs. Listen, I have nothing against Lin-Manuel Miranda. I know everyone loves him, and I really do enjoy In the Heights. But I have the problem where, like, especially with, with the movies he's done, like Moana and Encanto, where he wrote lyrics for those songs. Like, sometimes he always gives, like, he makes these cringy, like, songs that you're like, why do people like this? And then you're like, oh, people only like it because the music's catchy, but the lyrics are kind of meh. At least uh, to mm-hmm. me, at least to me. Um, but yeah, I I was expecting to hate this because I was like, okay, because they haven't released any like clips of the Lin Manuel Miranda songs, so they are probably gonna be bad. Hal Hal Bailey is are. not Hallie ba- Bailey is like her acting is not great when she's not singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really worried. I was like, why? Like, Melissa McCarthy is you like Melissa McCarthy. When someone said, like, who would you cast as Ursula? I was like, Melissa McCarthy. And this was like four years ago, four or five years mm-hmm. ago. And when when they weren't showing her in the trailers, I was like, is she bad in this? Was was I wrong in this? Mm-hmm. And um, then when I heard like, oh, they cast David Diggs, uh, the guy who played Jefferson in Hamilton as Sebastian. I was like. Why, why do I hardly hear him or see him in the trailers? Like when, when they're not releasing the iconic stuff in the trailers, it's like, oh, is this bad? Is, is this mm-hmm. really, really bad? Is this more? Does this suck? Is, is this more like, uh, 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 what was the, what was the movie Rob Marshall directed with Daniel Day-Lewis called eight? Was it eight? Nine. Nine. Yeah. Nine. Is this more nine and less, uh, and less, uh, uh, Chicago? Yeah, and and because when I saw, I didn't know who directed it until I saw the credits, and when I saw it, I immediately recognized his name, and I had to look him up real fast. I was like, "Why do I know that name?" And then in the theater, I said, not loudly, but I went Chicago, because I was so shocked that the same man did this. Yeah. And then I saw he's the guy that did Nine, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." He okay. also did Memoirs of a Geisha, uh, Into the Woods, and uh, he did the Mary Poppins Returns, which everyone yeah. says is really good. Never Everyone seen says it. it was really. I haven't seen it either. But anyway, so I was like so worried, like this movie's gonna suck. This movie's gonna be bad. And then I watch it, and it's bad. But it, I'm not angry at it for being bad. I'm just disappointed. I'm, I'm just. Ex- dis- I'm exhausted. By yeah, I'm exhausted too. This. I'm exhausted too. But I'm disappointed because. Folks, this movie, okay, so there's like two categories, uh, or there's really three categories of these Disney remakes. There's the straight up 
like one-to-one copy adaptation, which was like, think the Lion King. Think uh, at its best, it was probably uh, the the best version of that was would would probably be like uh, 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 the Jungle Book. The most mm-hmm. mediocre would probably be uh, Lion King, and then the absolute worst would probably be Pinocchio, right? And then yeah, you actually, yeah, you're right. And then the second category is the the re- the straight up reinterpretation, like like taking the 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 source material and just reinterpreting it to a different type of story. Cruella, uh, Cruella, Maleficent. Maleficent uh, at at it, the media, a mediocre version of that would probably be uh, Dumbo. Well, Dumbo's not mediocre, but it's not great. Yeah. Um, and then the absolute worst version of that would probably be uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Uh, and then the third and last category is kind of a fusion of the two, an adaptation of the story, but they change some things along the fringes to to, to first of all just make it a bit more longer because most of the, most also, of these anim- the, the, some of the cha- well you know what sorry I'll get into my complaints in a minute but yeah go so on. so they make these changes. Uh, just to make the movie longer, to kind of expand upon the characters. The absolute best version of that would probably be uh, Cinderella, uh, for me. Mm. Uh, uh, a media, uh, Cinderella, maybe a distant second, would be a Latin. And the absolute worst version of that, the absolute worst, worst version of that would probably be this movie. Because yeah. here's the thing. What Cinderella got right, what what Aladdin got right, was that okay. We're gonna expand on these characters. We're gonna we're gonna try to we're, we're expanding on the because usually they're like okay, we got to make this long longer because most of these movies were ninety minutes or less, so we got to make these longer. We're gonna make these longer by developing kind of like the side characters. We're gonna develop. We're gonna develop. We're we're gonna we're gonna make the plot a bit more involved. And what Cinderella did really really well was that. Yes, you got development of Cinderella, but you also got development of Prince Charming. You know, you developed their romance, like them being in love with each other. Uh, mm-hmm. And Kenneth Branagh, like, knew, like, okay, I'm making a fairy tale, and I'm going to make this romance a fairy tale. And you had to make sure they had great chemistry. In mm-hmm. Aladdin, what Guy Ritchie did was like, okay, I'm really going to drive home the point that Aladdin and the genie are, are like in a buddy cop film almost. And I'm going to develop Genie's wants outside of just wanting to be free. Like he gives him a love interest. Um, and, uh, you know, then, you know, the, the where where it kind of faltered was like he's also trying to develop uh, a Jasmine. And ja- it works. It works. It's just a little tacky, but it works. Um, so, yeah, Little Mermaid is that third category. And but what Little Mermaid gets wrong is that they're like, OK, well, we're going to develop these characters. We're going to we're going to expand upon them. But what at least Aladdin and to a much better degree, Cinderella got right was that we're going to de- we're going to develop these characters in an organic way. What we're not going to do is stop the movie and say, hey, so and so this is your backstory. So and so that is the clunkiest shit you can do. And this movie does it over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. Where they go like, hey, this is your backstory. Hey, this is our backstory. Literally, it's just dialogue of giving backstory. It is the laziest, mm-hmm. most offensive way to an audience member to write, quote unquote, character development by having them talk about their backstories. Mm-hmm. That is lazy. And then, so that's the first sin against this movie. 
the second sin against this movie is that um i listen rob marshall directed uh pirates of the caribbean movie he directed on on stranger tides right so you would think okay he knows how to shoot water and and on stranger tides has mermaids you would think okay this guy knows how to shoot water but mm-hmm. i'm sorry like at, it listen, looks horrible listen c and i saw avatar the way of water and <laughs> i i you you guys might say like oh they they were they were kind of like spoiled by how the way of water looks like we saw Wakanda forever like mm-hmm. I don't know what like Rob Marshall those are Disney movies those two are Disney movies how did Rob Marshall not see that and go like oh shit we I saw Aquaman up. shit I mean uh, even Aquaman yeah the underwater scenes are not only ugly like there's one sequence the 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 under the sea sequence where where rob marshall is competent in directing that sequence where it's like okay it's bright it's blue it looks nice everything else it's bad it's dark or it just looks like they're floating um it doesn't look like they're in water (laughs) and then sometimes the, the 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 characters interact with like like, like, okay, they'll interact with an object and then they'll, it'll fall or something. And it doesn't, fl- it doesn't like float down in water. It literally it just falls, falls. Yeah. or, or, or they'll kick up sand and it's literally just like regular dry sand where mm-hmm. you're like, R- did you guys run out of money? What the fuck? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm sorry that I'm getting mad about this, but that's just like, no, that's just, te- that's just technical incompetence. That's just yeah. fucking technical incompetence that, that you're like, guys, you know, you know, like when you drop a fork in the ocean, it floats down. It doesn't just fall straight down. Like, like everyone, every fucking five-year-old knows that. And, mm-hmm. and when you, when sand is wet, so sand would never kick up like that at all. Like everyone, like that just shows you that they're interacting with a, with dry sand. Yeah. And and again, it blows my mind because literally the same studio funded the arguably the best movie made underwater, which is Avatar: The Way of Water. And and for fuck's sake, like uh, they started shooting this in 2020, so you damn well know Rob Marshall had access to looking at Way of Water dailies because they shot that way back in 2018. Like for God's sakes, he he definitely saw Aquaman. If he saw Aquaman, like, oh, actually, that's a great way to like. I don't know if he saw those movies and was like, well, we can't do that, even though those look really good. So we're just gonna do it really shitty because there's no other way to do this. I don't know, but it's horrible. It's horrible. And so you have a movie where the moment the camera goes underwater, you're like, well, this is ugly. This is this looks terrible. Well, here's the thing: is the original Little Mermaid. One thing that makes it work really well is it has such a variety of color. That's how they make the underwater work really well. The backgrounds in the original Little Mermaid are incredible, like most Disney Renaissance movies. But the the way they manipulate color and even light in it for animated light in that movie is truly a wonder that just gets better with each entry of other of other movies. That's one thing that visually makes the for the, the original Little Mermaid stand out. But for some reason, what they do here is they decide, oh, everything underwater is dark dim and lacks vibrancy we well guess what and there's no there's no there's no underwater physics either and also but literally 
they're like that's the consensus they read that everything's like dark dingy and kind of plain looking for some reason with it and the problem with that is like literally even national geographic has proven us wrong like the underwater the world of underwater is so vibrant and has so much but for some reason it's like yeah we're just gonna add these little like glimmers of light here and like also like when you have the characters in the water it looks like they don't match in the water like i understand no they they don't like the most they get right is like with the hair but outside of it it's like you're lit differently than the background in a really bad way that's that's what's crazy to me because even as far even aquaman was like yeah they got to be like there there was a whole like featurette on youtube where mm-hmm. james wan's talking about how, how how you have to light the cast differently in the underwater scenes because water interacts with light in a different way because Mm -hmm. that's, that's how you get the brain to be like, Oh, they're in water, you Mm -hmm. know? So I don't know how the fuck Rob Marshall and his VFX supervisor and his cinematographer watched like, like set or, you know, make this movie and go like, yeah, we just light them like they're normal. It literally just looks like these people are floating like in empty space like there's never a sense that they're underwater at all, mm-hmm. um, and and it's weird because when when it's the mer people, you never get the sense that they're underwater. You get the sense that they're in some weird like free floating space. Um, you never even get animations of like the air bubbles that would be made when they're like moving. Nothing like that. Um, yeah. But I weirdly the only time you're like okay now they've they've made like they've made like a good like water shot was uh whenever a human was underwater whenever a human was because they put them in water well well here's the funny thing how how bailey cannot swim she doesn't know how to swim um i'm i'm being honest she does not know how to swim and rob marshall mentioned in an interview that that posed a difficulty because they were like well that limits how we can shoot this thing um so I've just found this out this morning that she yeah. didn't know how to swim. And I'm like, that explains a lot of scenes where, where, where she actually interacts with physical water. And you're like, you feel like she's in really a really, really shallow pool. Whereas um, I'm assuming the guy who plays Prince Eric, uh, Jonah, Jonah Howard King, he does know how to swim. So all his shots where he's in water, they can actually put him underwater and shoot him physically underwater and get those physics. At least that's my theory. I'm learning this in the moment of the podcast. She doesn't know how to swim. She does not know how to swim. Oh my God. That's. Oh my. Okay. I I'm learning this now. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's an interview where Mara Marshall goes like, Oh yeah. Halle Berry does not know how to to swim. And that limited what they can do. And that, that to me explains because my other complaint is like, when when the when the burr people have to come up and i don't know if you agree with this or not it's it always felt like like they come out of the water and they're just like in shallow water did did you get that vibe yeah well you could see it's well cuz like, there's this one scene where triton comes out of the water and everyone in my theater laughed cuz it looks like it's just Javier Bardem standing in a shallow pool well it looks like he's like like on his knees in a kiddie pool yeah, that, that that was the other thing is that like this movie, the the Mer people, or Triton of all people, he's king of the sea. They he, they just pop out of the water. There's no grand like, like like say what you will about 
Zack Snyder and the Justice League movies, at least he understood like when Aquaman comes out of the water, he comes out of the fucking water. When he goes mm-hmm. into the water, he goes into the fucking water, you know? And here they just have try and just kind of pop out and you're kind of laugh because it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, th- these are my main complaints. Um, see, do you have any more complaints? Well, my thing is, so at first I, I'm watching this and I'm like, I'm realizing, okay, the acting all around is ext- incredibly flat. Like I was amazed. But initially, I was like, oh, maybe this is suffering from what uh, the Alice in Wonderland remake sequel thing suffered from, which was the actors are covered in a green space, and that can be difficult for any actor. It just is. There's no way around that. It's even... There are incredibly skilled actors who just... It becomes like a sensory issue for them to, to deal with that. So at first, that's what I thought it was. But then, like, we're on land interacting with real things on like actual sets and the acting doesn't like improve. It stays the same. And I'm like, Oh no, these are just bad performances. Okay. Or bad direction. I don't even know. One one thing I will add is that the, the, so Rob Marshall, his background was a production designer before he became a director. I think I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, that's the, disappointing the, even more. Cause this well, production design is very meh. I was going to say uh, in the in the dry dry land sequences, the production design at least looked more visually like it's not great, sure. but but it looked much more visually interesting than what we were seeing underwater. But like I would like, have like that whole that, market, I, that whole market traded, thing. Yeah, but I would have traded that in. I would have said, "Oh, give me better water scenes." Then <laughs> well, well, yeah, no, you're right, rooms. you're right, you're right. But I I I would I was like. Why is the production design better above ground? Like the castle looks interesting. The market looks interesting. The fucking beaches look more interesting than mm-hmm. anything that's underwater. And that's a problem. I, yeah. I'm not saying they look, they look great. Like, Oh, that's the best production design of the year. No, no. I'm just saying that like, it's, it's kind of a crime when, when, when your sets on the, on the, on what on your, cause it, the movie's called the little mermaid. The sets on dry land should not look better than the sets of what's underwater, at least. Well, here's the, here's the thing. Even, okay. So first you got the flack. Like, they got flat acting from Javier Bardem. That's... Javier Bardem. You okay. did that. Okay. Jesus. So, this is a quote from Javier Bardem. Yeah. He did Dune for his son. He did The Little Mermaid for his daughter. And the yeah. paychecks were for him, is a quote from him. Now here's really? the thing. Is that what he said? Okay. That's what he said. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. He hates He's his daughter. He's great. I'm, kid. I'm, kid. I'm, kid. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Obviously not. He, so so he's great in Dune. He's amazing oh, in Dune. Awesome. Um, I genuinely think Dune's amazing. Let's just talk about Dune right now. I'm just yeah, kidding. Let's just talk about Dune. Uh, I, I'm just gonna straight up say that I think when our Vera Bardem signed on, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna play Triton. My daughter's gonna love this." And then the day he shows up and he has to wear that ridiculous outfit, he's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he just did not care because Mm -hmm. Javier Bardem is a great actor and he's even great in stuff that he's obviously just doing for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Like there was this one movie called, um, uh, it was called the, the gunman, I think with Sean Penn. Okay. Um, I think that's what it was called. And he's great in it. He's not in it for a lot. And he's obviously in it for a paycheck, but he's great in it. Like he's, he's hamming it up. 
And this one, he's like, he's good and eat, pray, love. Think about that for a oh moment. Oh my God. Yes, you're right. And in this like, one, that's he, weird to think about, but he is. And in this one, he's just kind of like, like, don't go up to the surface. Oh, where is my daughter, Ariel? Like, like he, he obviously has, he does not give a shit. He does not give a shit. Like, and even, and, he even gets mad in a, in a flat way. And like, you remember as a kid that King Trident's rage moments were like really, that's, that's kind of an inciting incident for, to, that causes Ariel to do what she does. Because, and, and the other thing is that he's flat and because he's flat, there's no warmth to him. And here's the thing, Trident, yeah, Trident was a very powerful King of the Ocean, but the thing that made Ariel love him so much is that he had a warmth to him. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's a, he's a very warm father when everything's going good. He's like Ariel, my daughter. You know, I I love you and I support you. And you know, obviously, and folks, this isn't a spoiler. You've all seen the movie. Uh, when he gives her her legs, he says, "Oh, I'm going to miss my daughter so much. I but I love her so much. I just want her to be happy." Like it's such a warm moment that he's doing this for her. Mm-hmm. And in this one, it's just really flat and like, yeah, I'm gonna miss her. Yeah, I'm gonna. And, it's like she. Tra- it's like he's trading in a car he liked. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> like, here you go. Well, to, here's the. You're it on to the point with your analogies. You're on point with your analogies. But yeah, the the performances, especially with Javier Bardem, were really flat. But would you say? Because here's the thing, I think Halle Bailey, like you know, she 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 has acted before. She yeah. she she's in a TV show called Grownish. Um, and she can sing. Obviously, and, and she, she does a great sing. job. She she and her sister are like a, a, a are like a singing act. They're called mm-hmm. um, Chloe and and Haley, I think. Um, she can sing, and obviously, apparently, someone likes her acting because she's in the musical version of The Color Purple. Um, oh yeah, I saw a trailer for that right before. But but you know, it's so weird that when she's not singing, like okay. So her best performance is part of your world. That's her best performance. That's her most emotional performance. Mm-hmm. Um, every time, everything else she kind of sings, it's like, she's just kind of singing. She's not really adding emotion to it, mm-hmm. which I'm like, okay, I, I guess um, it doesn't help that like one of the, her quote unquote songs is literally when like she can't talk. So it's like, it's like the singing is in her head. Right. Also, you know, it's a problem when the human version of Ursula is the most emotive in the film. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I'm not I, saying she was like amazing, but it's like, you're watching. Well, it's like, Oh, she's like actually like reacting. She's showing jealousy, rage. And like, she's showing the, the emotions that the care that this character is supposed to be for um, in the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I would say though, that I do think, Melissa McCarthy is good as Ursula. Like, like she knows what Ursula is supposed to be. But the problem is, is that we don't see a lot of her. Why? I don't know. We, we finally get like a full shot of her, like right before the climax, like a full like body shot of her. But also when you, when you see like the giant version of her, they intention, I think they realized that the CGI face wasn't looking so good. So they kind of, darken it out by like yeah clouds yeah a yeah little bit. yeah so so melissa mccarthy when we're introduced to her ursula like she's giving a good performance it's not great but it's it's what you expect ursula to be right mm-hmm. like like she's she's doing a good job at what it's supposed to be but she's obscured if they're not obscuring her with their tentacles they're obscuring her with like the her coral like palace and stuff and yeah. you're like why 
And I thought, well, did, did the CGI of Ursula with her octopus body not look good? It looks fine, but it's just this weird creative choice Rob Marshall makes where it's like it's only until the climax when, when he takes her back into the sea where we finally get Ursula like a full full good look at her. Um, and Well, the, the other thing is, so this before recording this, I... I rewatched a couple clips online of the original Little Mermaid, and what I realized is obviously it you know we realized the acting is flat, but one thing the one of the many things the original movies gets get right are is the fact that they really do everything they can to make sure that the voice acting of the villain is like the best in most cases. Like, it's the most dynamic. Obviously, you have exceptions, Aladdin being a huge one. But where they, they want to make sure that the villain is the most expressive, the most intense. And Ursula fits that bill. But so then you have this major drawback when that isn't met by Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, which which she can meet. She can meet that energy. Yeah, she has. It's just, <clears throat> it's just they, they have her, instead of have her being this cackling, like, over-the-top campy witch, she's just yeah. kind of playing it cool. Which it's a choice, but it's like, eh, you know, it, it, take not it the right it. choice. Now, I will say this. All right. So listen, I know it's not Shakespearean level acting, but like Jonah Howard King as Prince Eric is much more developed in this than he is than Prince Eric was in the original. And that just has to do with the fact that I don't know why, but all the like, for the most part, the only exception being uh, Beauty and the Beast, like up until Beauty and the Beast and obviously... The, the, the second wave of stuff. But for some reason, all the princess-led uh, stuff up until Beauty and the Beast, um, the the princes were just not developed at all. They weren't even really characters. Prince Charming was not a character. Yeah. The Snow White guy in was fact, not that's, a character. In fact, that's what made people really notice Tangled a lot was how well-developed the prince-type prince one yeah. was. Well, he's not he's not a prince. Well, no, yeah. But the, the male co-lead. Yeah, or, for, yeah because... All the male-led Disney movies, obviously, they're the lead, so they have to be developed. But but their love interests were developed. Jasmine's developed. Meg's developed. Um, mm-hmm. um, Esmeralda's developed. Like, like they're developed. And, like, all the princes... For some reason, Disney princes were always, like, the flattest things in the world. Like, like, yeah. you, like honestly, did you even know his name was Eric? Like, when you were a kid, did you no, even know his no. name was Eric? No, right? No, no I one didn't, knew. I... I didn't remember until she said it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, yeah, I guess yeah. that was yeah." Um, the name, but but in here he's given actual, he's developed, and I would say Jonah Howard King, in terms of the human cast, actually like is trying to do something, but he's just hampered by the fact that like I don't think Rob Marshall knew how to direct actors because <laughs> he can direct actor. Memoirs of Vacation is a well performed movie, but. I don't know. He just couldn't really get a performances. And, and Jonah Howard King's actually trying. Um, sometimes he tries too much, like with his own uh, solo song, but he's trying. He's and, working on it. And listen, I'll, I'll say this. The the chemistry he has with Halle Bailey is there. Yeah. It's just like, it's there, but... They, like, like, you know how like you see like, like you're trying to start a fire... And you're you're getting there. It's smoldering, but it just won't take the full flame. That's mm-hmm. what was the chemistry between uh, Halle Berry's Ariel and Jonah Howard King's uh, Eric. Like you're like, okay, you guys obviously have some chemistry there. I can see it, but it's not 
it's not flowing to the top like it did with um, Robert Madden and um, and the, the 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 actress who played Cinderella in Cinderella. Mm-hmm. It's just not it's just not on fire. Like like say what you will about Beauty and the Beast. At least Dan Stevens and Emma Watson had chemistry, and they made they made like that movie tolerable because you're like okay we know that they're falling in love. And this one you're like it's almost there but not quite. And that's yeah. frustrating because you're like. A stronger director would have gotten that love of flaming. I don't know. What do you think? Well, it was I, I, I just it was I, I lump it in with the flat acting. I didn't think the actor who played Prince Eric was that great. I think they just picked, you know, they're like, here's handsome guy A, we're gonna put him in here, and who looks kinda like the character from the original movie. He really does though. You know he does. I agree, he does. Um and so it just, I lump it in with the flat acting. One thing I will also add that really got me upset was they really, so she has these, you know, she has certain animals she talks to. She has, oh my God, pufferfish. She has, um, well, flounder Sebastian, flounder. Fl- oh, sorry. Flounder, Sebastian, the crab and the, the bird's name. Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt. Okay. So they do in to varying degrees, they do all three of these side characters horribly wrong like let me let me really bad you're right you're right and i'll let you continue but i will say this one thing about david diggs as sebastian that accent i wasn't offended but i would not be surprised if caribbean people who have that accent would be offended by it it is so like it's such a parody of the caribbean accent that i was like i i'm surprised no one tried to cancel the movie over this because this is this is like this is this is like someone trying to do a quote unquote Asian accent. It, it was, was it was it was bad. Like like I I questioned everyone who was like okaying that because like you can like people obviously the Caribbean accent is a real thing, mm-hmm. but you what you don't do is do like I'm not gonna do it. Don't but, do it. Yeah, let's yeah. Not, but, let's, but but you know you what I mean. You don't fall into the stereotype. You either exactly. So. The fact that the original one... So here's the thing. When you're doing a remake of any of these movies, you're, you're, land, you're stepping into usually some very big shoes. Huge shoes in many cases. Um, especially if you're voicing Sebastian the Crab, because you, you got to remember, literally the guy who did the voice for Sebastian the Crab then went on to win a Grammy for this very song. That's how big Under the Sea was. It... The moment you could, the mo- you can walk up to anyone and say "Under the Sea," and people will start having the original version of the song in their head. You just hear it so specifically. Um, it gets annoying after many years because you've heard it so much, but it's an iconic song. Those are massive shoes to fill, and you cannot mess that up. And it's just a very average interpretation of the song. The voice acting is really bad. And the way they made Sebastian the Crab look, because he's definitely one of the more... Those three characters are the more animated, less based-in-reality creatures in the movie. So then I'm trying to figure out, okay, are they going to make him look like a real crab? But instead what they do is they like... They give him a mostly realistic crab body, but then with accentuated eyes. Ugh. And it looks so horrible. And then here's, and this is a bit of a spoiler, but who cares? Um, 
The moment Scuttlebutt and Sebastian the Crab started rapping, I was like, I might walk out. I might leave. Like if I didn't, if I wasn't seeing it for the purpose of the podcast, I might have walked out because that was so achingly irritating that they were doing brought to you by Lin Manuel Miranda. And here's the yes, but here's the other thing. I thought we learned in like the early and by the by 2010, maybe 2012, that in like arbitrarily inserting a rap into something doesn't work. Oh, the problem. But the problem is Hamilton came out and people fell in love with it. So I feel people forgot that lesson. But the problem is when you arbitrarily insert a rap into something, you a have the potential to offend people. By the way, B, if you're not hiring someone who's good at it, you're going to end up with something that's going to be made fun of later. Like in, and people are already making fun of it. Like that's, that's how bad it is. The, but I'm like, even, even the actress playing Ariel is like looking at them as if she can see the CGI characters doing it and knows it, knows it's bad. I like, okay. So like, again, Lin-Manuel Miranda just to talk about him and then I'll, I'll mention something about the, the voice acting. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda has two modes. He can either make something really catchy and good or he makes something really catchy and fucking annoying. Mm-hmm. That's his two modes. Yeah. Uh, he's also not a great singer. I'm sorry. He's not a great singer and he's a horrible rapper. Like, like, ha- mm-hmm. like I listened to Hamilton and I was like, people like this. What? Yeah. Um, he should stick to just trying to make regular. The, no- the non-rap show tunes. songs in Hamilton are the better ones, but nobody accepts yeah. that. Yeah. No one accepts that. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry. We get it. It was part of the zeitgeist. We get it. But anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I like that. We get it. It was part of the zeitgeist. We listen, get it. I listen. I think the song about the the princess Moana wanting to go out into the water that's a beautiful song. Yeah. Uh which he the, wrote. Your, the your welcome was when I was like this is catchy but it bugs me. <laughs> and I I'm sorry. A lot of songs in Encanto I was like eh, it's whatever. The only one everyone remembers is we don't talk about Bruno because again it was it was catchy. But at least this one you're like it's good. But even some segments are like a little grating on it, right? <laughs> some segments are a little grating. In this one, so he makes three. He writes three new songs because Howard Ashman unfortunately died in like 1992. Uh, mm-hmm. He was he was he was the partner of Alan Menken in writing. He wrote the lyrics and Menken wrote the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his last credit was Aladdin. But he wrote he wrote Little Mermaid. He wrote Beauty and the Beast. He wrote Aladdin. Um, you know, so Lin Manuel Miranda has to step in to like the Howard Ashman style of writing in order for these songs to mesh well, because uh, when they added a song, I don't know who wrote the, the original song in the Aladdin remake. That song feels so out of place with the rest of the movie because it, it's like a solo song for Jasmine. And it's so out of place with the rest of the movie because it doesn't follow Howard Ashman's style that you're like, okay, what? At least in Beauty and the Beast with the solo song for the Beast, you're like, okay, that feels like something Howard Ashman would have written. So Lin-Manuel Miranda is like, I'm not going to try to do Beauty and the Beast. I'm not even going to try to at least be only a little awkward like Aladdin. I'm just going to be Lin-Manuel Miranda for this song called Scuttlebutt. And it's so it's like his worst tendencies. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. And, and here's the thing. Because it's so tonally different from anything Howard Ashman has has wrote, you're like, you like, like, I can guarantee you in 
like in your audience and in my audience, everyone who listened to that song on a gut level was like, this, this isn't little mermaid. This isn't, this isn't, this doesn't belong here. This doesn't belong here. Cause people started like laughing, not with the song, but at it. And a lot of people, unfortunately are going to blame the voice actress Aquafina for it being bad. But you know, I mean, she's not, she's not, you know, she, She's she's just rapping a song they told her to rap and she's she's that's doing the, her best. That's why I say flat acting. I don't blame the actors. I blame the director. I blame the case. director and I blame the producers who 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 obviously heard the demo of Scuttlebutt and were like, oh yeah, let's put that in the movie. Yeah. Like at the and here's the other thing though, Lin Manuel Miranda at least tries to somewhat sound like Howard Ashman because they add a song that Ariel sings in her head as she's in Dry Land for the first time. That that's credited to Lin Manuel Miranda, and that was when I was like, okay, that sounds the most like something Howard Ashman would have written. And mm-hmm. then he also wrote a solo song for the Prince, that sounds like I don't know. It's it, acceptable. It, it's acceptable. It, it, it's acceptable, but it sounds like something. Um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, it sounds like something uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber would have written, not mm-hmm. not Howard Ashman. And obviously, Scuttlebutt is so liminal Miranda that it hurts. But um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just and, and again, you know, it's like everyone were people laughing at that song at your screening. Yeah, they were. No, I yeah. think that's a consistent thing. Um, yeah, I, I just again, the like when you're doing these movies and you want to add songs like it's that thing of like, OK, let's add let's add something that at least sounds like it would have been in the original um, song. Like, yeah. Like, um, I, I, I remember I, there's, there was a movie that added an original song that was written for the animated film, but it was cut and, and they just said, we need another song. Okay. Let's add this. So they had something. So yeah, I don't know which why in they that didn't case, do that. That, 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 and that would have made sense too. It's like, Hey, we had this rare treat situation where we have a song that was written at the time that wasn't used. Let's use it. Like, that's a great idea, but it's like, yeah. You, you're like you have something that has the potential to be like lost gold potentially if it's if it was written for the original one but they're just like meh fuck it yeah let's, um, they just wanted to have Lin-Manuel Miranda in the credits yeah and and to market like oh we have Lin-Manuel Miranda songs but it's 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 biting them in the ass because that that song's trending on Twitter and not people are not saying, for good oh, reason not for not good for, reasons um no. now about the voice acting um I don't mind turning scuttlebutt into what what scuttlebutt is in here no but oh my god it well the animation doesn't match it at times like it's it's something's very and and i say this for all three of those those creatures the animation just doesn't match up with the voices in the right way yeah, so one other one then this is a little tiny complaint compared to all my bigger complaints. But mm-hmm. so in the original film, it's Flounder and Sebastian who are helping out uh uh Ariel and Dryland to get uh Prince Eric to kiss her, right? That that's mm-hmm. in the movie. So, I don't know why. Well, I I guess cuz they're like they they just didn't want the headache of trying to figure out how to get a uh, Flounder how to justify Flounder being in Dryland. Sure. But they kind of switch it. So instead of it being Sebastian and Flounder, it's it's uh, Sebastian and Scuttlebutt. So mm-hmm. Scuttlebutt really is like the 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 main. It's not it's not Ariel, Flounder, and Sebastian. It's Ariel, 
Sebastian and Scuttlebutt. And Flounder's so that, there, there sometimes. Flounder's there sometimes. Okay, that's a little mini complaint. But what that means is that you're exposed to Scuttlebutt a lot more. So Aquafina's <laughs> playing Scuttle like a, you know, like a, like a bird. Like, you know, a loud, yeah. obnoxious bird. That, that makes sense. That's consistent. Okay, she's doing a, what she was asked to do, and she's doing. She's making a correct choice. Yeah. But. When you're exposed to it, you all you want to do is just hit that bird. Yeah. And it's like a Jar Jar Binks moment. It's like, oh. I guess you're doing what you were. You're definitely doing what you were asked to do, but we, there's too much of it. Yeah. And then, like, they try to make David Diggs, the, his Sebastian, the really the only source of comedy in this movie. Because say what you will about the about the original movie, there were like a lot of funny moments in that. Right? And mm-hmm. one of the main things of humor was that there's this subplot where Sebastian is like in this kitchen. And, and it's, that is even, here's the thing. That was like, as a kid, the part I loved as a kid, because it's genuinely funny. It's it's really funny. And that part's cut here. So they, they don't include the, the chef trying to hunt down Sebastian. They don't Can include I just him po- at all. Okay, I have to say something. They pad this movie with so much crap and they cut that. That's... That's like, what's why? crazy to me. That's why it's like I was literally when they're about to have the big banquet with like you know the setting sun on all that. I was like, okay, the timing's gonna be weird, but this is where they're gonna insert that sequence to some extent. Like I literally thought that's where they were gonna have it, and then it actually doesn't happen. So this movie is literally longer than the original. Okay. The original by like, whole, by like a whole hour. Yeah, the original is 89 minutes long. It's shorter than you remember. Um, this one is two hours and 15 minutes. Okay, so yeah, by nearly a whole hour, it is this longer. Here's the thing. Somehow, at least how I remember it, because I didn't, I haven't seen the original in many years. But the the original feels grand, more grand, more. Something feels better about the original for many reasons. But what I realized is, and this is, I say this so many times when you're creating a story. Al, Al, you often say structure is the key to a good script, which it is, obviously. But another very important factor, and I argue there's a difference in this. My God, you have to have good pacing. And this movie is bloated with horrible pacing. Because somehow it feels less impactful, even though it's longer. And the, the, the days feel shorter, even though they're actually longer. And you don't, you don't separate the days in a proper way. Like it, The first two days kind of feel like one thing. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like seeing this bloated thing. And I realized why they did that. So they broke, here's how they broke down the three acts. They did underwater. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. act one. Yeah. Act two is day one and day two mashed together in a weird way. And then act three is day three and the final part. The original did act one is underwater. Act two is all three days or most of all three days. Act three is the sun is the sun has just started to set. And that is all of act three. That makes the final battle with Ursula more impactful. That works better. But they lopside this thing so that now you have a whole third day and it doesn't feel right. And you're watching this happen. And like, 
half of Act Three is they're like, "Where's Ariel?" They're trying to find her, and we, like, for some reason, they just drop her off for a while. It was very strange. So this movie, it doesn't help that it's longer and has horrible pacing and has flat acting and visually isn't as good and has bad songs inserted. Like, it's just, you, so there's, there, you, there's something I've said before on this podcast where a movie is good when you know, when you forget you're in a theater and the move, the more a movie does this throughout the entire time, the better, like, there is inherent strength to this move, to that movie when it does that. Don't get me wrong, there are great movies that don't do this, but for very different reasons. But when a movie, when you start to constantly remember that you're in a theater, that's when a movie has a problem. When you feel the seat chafing on your ass, that's when you're in a hellish, that's when you're in a hellish experience. And you know what, Al? I felt the chafe coming on hour one. That's when you know you're fucked. You know, you know, the, the, the thing about the pacing, I totally agree with you is that they probably justify it by saying, well, we're, we're expanding on the characters, you know, where we're, we're developing the characters because, you know, you know, Prince Eric is one dimensional. King Triton isn't really a thing. But we and gain nothing from it. Exactly. We gain nothing from nothing. this. Because, okay. Like we're just watching them do more flat things. It's like okay. Okay. So, so something I, something I, I really like th- that bothered me and maybe it's not the movie. Well, no, it is the movie's fault. It's totally the movie's fault. They decide, okay. Okay. See, why do you remake a story? For the money, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah, let's be more clear. Okay. okay. Why why you remake it is for the money, but you, you remake also, it for the money. Yeah. And But you what were you gonna say? I was gonna say, and you know, you remake it because you're like, we'll make money because the fans are like, I wonder how this would look like live action. Right? Mm-hmm. But like narratively, narratively, the reason you you can you can even remake something is because you're like I have a different take on this material, right? Mm-hmm. That's why a writer w- is willing to remake something. I got a different take in this material. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this it's is also why, why they rarely work. Yeah. So someone saw the 101 Dalmatians and they're like, "All right, we can't really beat the Glenn Close remake. What can we do? Uh, what if we have? What if we like do a prequel? That's a great take. Let's do it." Mm-hmm. And they made Cruella. Yeah. Um, and they're working the, on a sequel. Yeah. So, you know, the absolute worst versions of 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 the Disney remakes have been where they just are like, oh, we're just remaking it like just to look newer, which is what they did with Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, here I'm watching the movie and the, one of the first few things that gets brought up by by uh, King Triton and the queen of the island nation that Prince Eric is in, mm-hmm. something they bring up is that is that there is this animosity between those who live on the land and those who live under the sea. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's they go like like the mer people say like humans, you know, they're they're evil, da da da, and they expand upon Ariel's backstory when King Trine says a man killed your mother, right? Okay, then up up on the land, the queen tells Prince Eric. Like, like the gods of the sea are punishing us because they, she says we have not traded with other nations where our, our country is kind of in decline. And uh, every time we try to like we try to kind of expand our, our influence, 
shipwrecks happen, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe the gods are saying that we have to stay on this island and not travel, right? Mm -hmm. So they develop, they, they, they build on this idea that there's an animosity between those on the land and those under the sea. And then Prince Eric talking to, talking to uh, uh, the prime minister of his nation, Sir Grimsby mentions on like, there, there's this illusion that his father died in a weird way and that he doesn't want that same fate for him. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is all happening. I'm like, okay, the take they're going to take with this story is that they're going to add that there's some, there, there's, there's some like, like animosity between the mer people and the land people that the land people are vaguely aware of, but that the mer people are obviously like very aware of, mm -hmm. uh, and that Ariel and Eric's romance is going to bridge that divide and bring peace amongst the two worlds. You're like, okay, that's the take, and then, then I thought, okay, and then it's going to be very symbolized that. Eric's dad had something to do with Ariel's mom dying and yeah. that Triton got revenge or that, or that Ursula did something like this is all playing out. I'm like, okay, I see the, the direction they're trying to take. That's interesting. That's, that's enough like idea to justify remaking this. Right. I was mm -hmm. like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then a whole 30 minutes pass, And I'm like, did they just drop all that? Like the they literally, yes. they, they did, they did. They drop all that. It just, it plays as, it plays a, a more bloated version of the original animated film. I'm like, okay. They add that horrible Scuttlebutt song. I'm like, okay. Also, I, I, wait. Like, I, I, I gave the movie too much credit. I was like, I'm giving it too much credit. And then at the end, Trian goes like, yeah, you guys brought our people together. And I'm like, that whole thing was dropped. 30 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and now you're saying like, no, 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 we actually like, we actually like wanted to touch on that theme. I'm like, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You, you kind of brought it up. You dropped it just to tell a more bloated version of the original story. And then you come back and say like, no, no, we, we talked about it. It's like, no, 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 fuck you movie. No, no. And, and here's the thing. What I just told you, that would have been an interesting reason to remake the little mermaid. Mm-hmm. That, that, that gives you justification for having developed human characters uh, that brings more complexity to Ariel and Eric's relationship. And, and it, it, it shows how their fates are kind of intertwined if his dad and her mom, their deaths had something to do with each other. You're right? making it Romeo and Juliet. Exactly! Yeah. And, and, and the, I don't know if like the writers pitched that idea and then they just dropped it just to tell this but it was obvious that there was it was obvious based on the context clues and the dialogue that they were trying to do something about the mer people and the humans having some sort of unspoken like antagonism Problem. towards each other yeah. and then they just drop it they just drop it they they don't even bring out how the mer people don't like that that uh, the humans eat fish it gets brought up like once and that's it yeah they don't care and <clears throat> also i have to, so two things i have to point out one, uh, Hans Christian Andersen would be rolling in his grave. <laughs> I mean, he, just... he would be rolling in his grave with the original movie. That's true. It's it's very much that's. And here's what was interesting: like they, this movie, like the first two frame or two shots of the movie before you add any like things or people in it, like take an interesting approach for two seconds, where they literally show a quote from 
Hans Christian Andersen. Oh and my like, God, you're uh. right. And they quote him, and I'm like, oh, like for a second, I'm like, oh, are they, like, are they gonna go in a in a different direction here? Like that's in, that's very interesting to do that. Like that's because I know. F- Disney famously likes to, yes, they borrow from these known fairy tales, these known stories. But it's going to be a fucking happy ending if they can help it. Well, that, but there's that. And also they very deliberately, noticeably, so that they can maintain ownership of the property, they very deliberately push themselves away from the original source material as much as humanly possible. They don't reference it. They don't talk about it. The only exception has been Peter Pan. And the reason is, is that the story of Peter Pan is kind of in a uh, copyright. It's the only one in a very interesting copyright limbo because all the other stories you can't own. You can't actually own them. You can't. They're too old. But Peter Pan is kind of in that limbo where it's just on the line. It's why, like, the Disney did a movie adaptation of the writing of it, which, for the record, is, like, an amazing movie, but that's a separate topic. Um, but point being is that Disney never goes near the territory or referencing the original stories. They just don't talk about it. But the fact that they were willing to literally quote the original writer, I'm like, oh... That is a bold, interesting move. And then, much like you pointed out with like things they're laying the groundwork for, they just throw it away. Within seconds, throw it out. You like, know, just toss it aside. Like, would it, would it have not made for a more compelling movie if, if this played more like a tragedy? Or, like, if that thing about, like, oh, your dad and my mom, like their deaths are related to each other like that. That would have been interesting. And you wrap Ursula and then you wrap up. They, they do this other thing where they explicitly confirm that Ursula is King Triton's uh, sister right? in this one. Yeah. In this one. It. Right. So, so, so she's Ariel's aunt and you're like, okay, you're like, okay, these three people have an interesting backstory that it would explain why King Triton's the way he is, why the queen is the way she is. Why Ursula got like kicked out, and no, they just drop it and just do a re- retake of the of the original, just in a more bloated way. And you're like, well, well, if you guys just wanted to do that, just do that. You add these little elements, these little things that you're like are gonna lead to something, and they don't. Like, okay, like if you're gonna make Ursula King Train's sister, why? Well, what are you doing that for? Yeah, that's um, the reason. Like, like I know that was the original intention in the in the original film that they did that, but they just cut it out because there was some subplot that was gonna add too much to the movie. Yeah. Fine. Um, maybe you realize there's a reason why they cut it out. It just doesn't work. Or, or maybe they were they were just like, oh, it's it's really irrelevant. And you know, at the time, Disney was like, keep it under ninety minutes if you can. Yeah, that was so they probably were probably just irrelevant. Really didn't add to anything. And this one, I'm like, okay, if you're gonna add it, do something with it. Don't just add. Like for instance. They okay. So, so another. This is a, also a small complaint, but it's still something that you're like, what really, guys? So, um, I think in the original film, the kingdom of Eric's was vaguely European, like vaguely. Yeah, like I know, like, I know what you're getting at. Right, it was vaguely European, right? Yeah. So, in this one, uh, I guess because they wanted to justify having, uh, the caribbean inspired music that the yeah. for, that the original had they decide to put his kingdom in the caribbean Which, somewhere in the caribbean here's the problem with that i don't think disney intended to do this but they accidentally and i i genuinely believe this was an accident they accidentally kind of portrayed portray this like happy 
colonialization colonization look. I don't think they mean to do that, and I don't think that's like the message they're sending out at all. I'm not saying Disney's doing that. But there's a few clips where you're looking at it, and you're like, this kind of looks like the... But that it's like that's kind of the aesthetic a little bit. Well, well, Because there's European elements kind of, but not really, and it's... Yeah, and and then they'll probably (laughs) say, well, no, the the royal family is, is indigenous to the island. So, so here's the thing, like anyone with like, first of all, putting a kingdom in the Caribbean, like, like, like you still keep some of the European influence, but then you're like, it's explicitly, it's explicitly ruled by the Caribbean people. And then you're like, okay, well the queen and I guess the king, they were, they were, they were people native to the island. Eric very obviously is not like yeah, the, 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 the that queen. You get into that problem again. You're like, wait and, a minute. So, so, so the queen is obviously like this, this black woman who, who, who's ruling a Caribbean Island, a Caribbean Island nation that they never name, by the way, they never no. do oh, intentionally. Uh, and never so they, even fully specify where on the globe they are. Exactly. I'm not entirely sure. Exactly. I was waiting for him to, there's a scene where they're looking at a globe and I was waiting for him to like kind of vaguely point where he was. They never do. They they, never all they do is that they get them, they get a map of the island and, and obviously it's just a map of the island. They don't tell you like where it is. It's just, you just know it's somewhere on the Atlantic. Yeah. And, and Eric, Eric obviously is played by a white man. They have to add this whole thing of like, yeah, well, he was a shipwrecked baby that the that the royal couple adopted. Yeah. And you're like, uh, okay. And and at first I was like, why is that relevant? And then there and was then like, you see why it's relevant. And you see why it's relevant. And I was like, okay, um, okay, I guess. But there's there's never been a Caribbean kingdom, at least never a Caribbean, never a kingdom of that of that like an absolute monarchy. In yeah. the Caribbean, like they they've had yeah. obviously tribal rulers, but never yeah. anything like that. And that just kind of like threw me for a loop where I'm like, now I'm like, OK, you guys are trying to ground this on something. But like, I'm just confused. Like, and, and it's a small complaint. There's much, much bigger yeah. complaints. But oh, still like it's still like this thing where you're like, OK, just just make it somewhere in in vaguely European and make it Mediterranean ish. Have... You can do that. Yeah, that's what I thought they were going to do. Yeah, like go but, go with that vibe. But also, I, you know it's bad when like sometimes you look at like the like you said you were saying how like the marketplace sequences you know competently pretty looking and nice. There's a moment there where I'm looking at it. It's like it really feels like they pulled like some of the actors from Disneyland and put them on here yeah, for a second. Yeah, because like that scene where they're like they they all sing and they all do that dance and then they sit back and then they in a very staged way all laugh together. Oh, it was it's so wh- cringy. No and, one oh. one other thing is that like okay I know and I know Disney does this because they never want to come off as insensitive. So like now whenever they have like these scenes of like the peasantry or, or, or the regular folk, they, mm-hmm. they literally are like, like look like they came, they, they were all extras in the UN, like in the UN scene where you're like, there's, there's <laughs> this, there's these, there's this Asian market owner. There's this, there's this black shoemaker. There's this, there's that. Right. And it's all this. It's, and, it's every, it's, it's of every type, which that that's not inherently bad. You, that's fine. It's not, it's not inherently bad. The problem is, is that when you, now you're trying to, when you're trying to ground this on some sort of reality, right? Where you're like, yeah, there's this Caribbean nation that has like, that has like architecture that would only come from a colonialist era, but the Royal family is, 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 uh, our colored people. But you know, like the, 
there's white people, there's Asian. So you're like, okay, there, there's this colonialist place that's a monarchy that happened to have people from all corners of the world. But it's also like, isolated. Apparently. But it's also isolated. The problem is, is like when you're trying to ground in reality, right? You, you have to be somewhat, have some sort of reality. Like at this point, it would have made more sense to have that entire culture, that entire society be mostly indigenous people, right? Ruled by someone who's native to the island. And I'm sorry, like, I guess you could still keep the whole Eric was a shipwrecked baby thing to justify him being white, but or like, you make it a Mediterranean, you give it a Mediterranean, yeah, feel yeah, and you you don't have to make issue with the situation because you've because put the thing is in. the thing is listen audience members won't be like us because you know we we you you and I we're hyper analyzing it well we're hyper analyzing it and at least for me I'm really into history. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, in their gut, in their gut, when they're when they're trying to when they're watching this, their gut's gonna say like, "This doesn't make sense. Why is there an Asian shopkeeper? Uh, why why is there like a like if there's a if there's like a white woman serving like Caribbean dishes, like, and you're explicitly in the Caribbean, you're like, okay, so this was a colonialized island, but the royal family are, are were a black couple or a black couple, what?" Like, like, you know, that doesn't exist. You know, that doesn't exist anywhere. Like every place that they overthrew their colonialist overlords became republics. There was never a monarchy. Yeah. So they never like got together and like, you know what? We, we like the monarchy. It's like, no, they never did. They never liked it. And that's what throws it out. And that's a little tiny complaint. Yeah. No, it's, it's minor. Cause at the end of the day, this is a Disney kids movie. We know that. Yeah. It's a Disney kids movie. We know that. Uh, the last thing I'll say before we give our review and then I'll let you have some few things to say before you give your review is that this movie weirdly, like I said earlier, doesn't have a lot of humor. Um, or it doesn't have successful humor. It doesn't have a lot of intentional humor. Well, well, yeah. Well, it does. It, it tries to have intentional humor. It's just not successful. Like Aquafina yeah. is trying to be funny with Scuttle and and it's just not working. She just comes off as grating. So the only time people laughed in my theater was when David Diggs was like playing Sebastian as exasperated. And it works sometimes. But again, it's just masked by the fact that the guy, his accent is just really bordering on offensive. Yeah. Where you're like, did no one tell him like, hey, dude, OK, Obviously, Sebastian has a Caribbean accent. Just do a normal Caribbean accent. What you're doing is like what people would do when they're telling a racist joke. Well, again, I, this is where I'm wondering, like, was he told to intensify it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But, you know, so so the only forms of humor comes with him. And when it does work, it works. But it's like there were like five moments where I was like, OK, this is funny. One one mm-hmm. way one is like one sequence that I remember was like when Triton's like like wanting to ask if Ariel has a crush on someone and try and thinks it's going to be on another merman, another mer person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the moment, the moment Trine says, is my little girl in love? Sebastian just starts blabbing everything that happened. Yeah. And, and the only, and this is the only good beat that, uh, that, uh, Javier Bardem has in the movie where he goes like, where he goes like humans. And then David Diggs goes, and he's like, who said anything about humans? That, yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> that funny. was funny. Or the that little moment at the end when Trident's talking to Sebastian, and he goes, "You know, I always said you gotta, you gotta let your kids, you know, do, make their own decisions." And Javier Bardem actually gives a non two D performance for a second and goes, "Oh, is, is that what you've said?" 
Is that what you like that that moment made me laugh? I was like, oh well, that's that's but, funny. But yeah, and I'm not saying this movie has to be a joke filled laughathon. But no. the previous movie had its funny moments. Like obviously, when you cut a sequence that was just for comedy, which was which was a uh, uh, Sebastian trying not to get cooked, yeah. you're like, okay, I guess. Um, and you know. And then you would think like, okay, well, M- Melissa McCarthy is going to have some some jokes, and she has one funny scene, um, and it's it's only funny because of the context. Yeah. Um, but other than that, she, she just kind of plays it cool, which again is fine as a choice. But then you're just limiting yourselves over over like when people can laugh. Because I'm sorry, you're not going to be Halle Belly and and Jonah Howard King are not going to be telling jokes as Ariel and Eric. No. Right, anything so, you want to add? One thing I want to add is so. Again, I keep saying the original movie a lot, but it's, it's the honest comparison. They they keep the rules of the deal she's made very simple. Three days. You can't can't talk. You've got three days. You oh have to yeah, kiss him. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. it's e- easy to, easy to remember. It's a kids movie. You wanna you wanna keep it very simple. Great. For some weird reason. They add an extra rule that they don't really follow. Like, they're not really following through on it, and it doesn't make sense. So, tell me if I'm wrong here, but basically, is, was the rule is that, like, she somehow Ursula erased her memory and doesn't she doesn't remember what she's supposed to do okay okay so and i but totally like, then agree she with you. sings about like her excited to be being excited to see the prince it's like okay wait, but how do you know what to do like wait, okay what? okay that so so they intentionally just like made it complicated for no fucking good reason yeah. i don't know why and abandoned so, it again <laughs> well okay so you're right the whole the original rule was you got three days and on the you got three days to make the guy give you true love's kiss. And okay, that was the make, big thing she even said, and not just any. And that's the thing you write away the you know the plot hole she, where she says no, it has to be true love's kiss. Like it's like, special. Like he has to kiss you. He has yeah. to love you and kiss you. Right. Yeah. So her whole thing is that she has to woo him, not being able to talk. Right. Yeah. In this one, they're like, uh, yeah, he has to kiss you. True love's kiss. Oh, but you know what? In order to make sure that it doesn't happen, I'm going to have you forget that. And anyone, anyone tries to mention it to you, you're going to forget, or you're going to be like, like in, like in Westworld where the, where the, <laughs> where the robots reset, where oh, the no, robots, no, where the robots don't like, acknowledge like, what, what they're being told. Or the, you show them like a modern object and they're just like, doesn't look like anything to me. It's like, okay. Exactly. And you're like, why add that, that comp complexity to it? Because all you do is have it be like she can kiss him, and he's like, "He go, girl, what the fuck? Like you just sexually assaulted me, like like that's all you need to do is like okay, she just can't kiss him. He needs to kiss. He needs to kiss her as falling in love with her. That's I don't know why they added that. That's like needless complexity. Yeah, it was so. They, and and then they so like. Like when you say like, okay, when you hear someone says you, you have to get true love's kiss, right? The whole shtick of that is that it can't just be any kiss. He, the person who's kissing you has to love you, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know. It, it, it's stupid. It, it's one of those things where, I again, I ask how the producers, the writers, the directors, everyone involved in this were like, why are we adding this? There's no reason to. Like, yeah. like no reason whatsoever. Um, I guess they added it because they didn't want to seem like she's being thirsty for Eric. But 
Like that's all, the whole reason she's on land is because she's thirsty for Eric. God like, damn it. That's, that's the movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I know they're trying to be like, Oh, well she just really wants to be above world. And Eric's just an afterthought. Is, and that, you're like, why, is that why you put a statue of him in your little hiding? Exactly. Hole? Is, that, is that why you did that? Because you, you're not obsessed with him. Is, is, is that, that is that why, like, is that why, like, you're you're so excited to like the the movie wants to be like oh Ariel really just wants to be above ground like Eric's just like a bonus and it's like but everything she does because again they're adapting a movie everything she does is just to see him and when I was rewatching some clips the the original movie actually kind of makes fun of that a bit where she Ursula <clears throat> offers her the deal and. Ariel at one point literally says she'll be like you'll have your Ursula's like you'll have your man and Ariel's like but I'll never get to see my family again like she brings up a concern she has and they write it off with comedy in a good way where Ursula literally just goes oh yeah life's full of difficult decisions in it it's like that's a simple way to write it off for a second but here it's like they pretend like it's just she wants to go above land even though she has a statue of him or what looks it's not him but i'll be damned if it doesn't happen to look exactly like him um like down they, there they, they, they try to play it off as like oh she got the statue just because they reminded her of him not that it looked like him but i'm but like they made it mother- look like him yeah motherfucker you made it look like him so obviously she's thirsty for it like listen the movie wants to be like well, Ariel, care, Ariel just wants to be above water. She wants to wants to discover a new world. Eric's just like a, a cherry on top. And I'm like, yeah, but when she's staring at him through the boat, when she rescues him, when she literally sings how she wants to be with him, mm-hmm. like there's no – because, again, you're adapting a movie where this is the case. Yeah. You can't just be like brush off and be like, well, no, really, she just she just wants to – be up love land it's like it's no, like just go with it like she's in love with him it, it's go with what the movie is like yeah there's nothing wrong with her being like thirsty for eric you know the whole thing she learns is that like he loves her as a mermaid she doesn't have to change for him and that that to me is a good lesson like that's a good like you can still you don't have to change for a, the lesson can be you do not have to change yourself to love to to for someone to love you that that's the lesson but then you can you try to confound it because i know the little mermaid has been criticized in the past it's like but if you just reinforce the concept of if all the movie did was reinforce the idea that you don't have to change for someone, like you can be yourself, like if they just reinforced that part a little bit, you've like rewritten the the critique of that, or you've 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 adjusted that one part. I don't know. It's just it's uh, this movie made me so mad. And yes, let me be clear: the the song, the original songs are done well because Haley, Halle Bailey. Again, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing your name. Can sing. We're not denying that. She can sing and she sings those songs well. But every other element about this movie is represent is now the new representation of the problem with doing these one-to-one live action remakes where you add random crap. Like this is this is not okay. And it I wish I I held off seeing this in theaters because it's like I don't want to support this, but it's important we see we talk about problems like the problem of this. Ah. Yeah. <sighs> What's your rating? This movie sucks. Um, this no no sorry. This movie sucks, but you get a great. They sell they your ticket buys you a greatest hits CD. Uh, 
of you know the, what of the good you know songs. what see no joke the way you said this movie sucks what i, I think i'm going to clip that because it's so dismissive <laughs> and, and it's so indicative and an indictment of the quality of this movie like i but didn't just, think about it you said oh this movie sucks <laughs> like okay yeah yeah um like not yeah, a second thought, not a, not a, again, the caveat I added, cause I love my caveats was yes. Congratulations. As you said with the trailer, yes, we know the original music is good. We knew this. All uh, right. Um, yeah, this, I'm, I am going to add a caveat. This is a, this movie like, like surprisingly disappointingly sucks. <laughs> It, it does suck. It does you're suck. Like, it does suck. You're but amazed they haven't learned their lesson. Is that well, what it well, is? Well, no, no, no. I feel like the first 15 minutes, I was like, okay, they're going to go in a different direction. And they kept adding these nuggets of like, oh, they're going to do this interesting thing about like their parents or they're doing this thing about the humans versus murder. They're even people. developing her sisters. Like that was yeah. shocking. Yeah. And but I then, was like, nope, nope. I was <laughs> like, oh, fuck you. Like, like at least be like Pinocchio where you're like, where immediately it's like, nope, it's literally just a one-to-one bad copy of the original, yeah. bad bloated copy of the original. I'm like, okay, you know, I mean, I hate you, but okay. And this one, it's like, oh, oh, they're going to do something different. Maybe, maybe this is going to be more Cinderella or at least more Aladdin than it is Pinocchio. And nope, nope. And listen, um, I know you didn't like the acting. I, I, like, I hated Javier Bardem in this because he obviously did not give a shit. And he's I, better than this. That's the. Th- uh, yeah, he's better than this. Um, Melissa McCarthy and Jonah Howard King as Ursula and Eric. I were like, okay, they're they're at least trying to do something. Halle Bailey as Ariel is knocking it out of the park in terms of singing, but when she has to act, she's just really flat. Because you need an actress who's really good at also nonverbal communication, and she really wasn't doing much. Yeah, she was just kind of mugging. She's kind of yeah. mugging when she couldn't talk, and you're like, it's not good. And then, listen, um, Jacob Tremblay as Flounder is almost non-existent, and David Diggs and Aquafina That was Jacob Tremblay? And... Yeah, that was Jacob Tremblay. Oh, I didn't even know that. Jeez. And David Diggs and Aquafina as Sebastian and Scuttle. Like, David Diggs, like, his accent was border on offensive, and Aquafina was just annoying <laughs> well but, she wasn't annoying it was the use of the character yeah the really use of annoying. her was annoying um yeah. but yeah no this this sucks because you hint that you're going to do something different you're just like what pinocchio was a bad bloated copy and the and, and then to add insult to, and then to add insult to injury the three songs that you add one is decent one, one is one is passable one is adequate and then the last one which is the one everyone remembers because it's also annoyingly like it's catchy in like the worst way possible where it just sears in your brain it's so bad it's so bad i was like i want to commit terrorism i literally want to commit terrorism because this 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 is an affront to humanity and lin-manuel miranda i'm coming for you i'm coming for you (laughs) no for the for the record that's a joke he's no one is coming for you i i i'm not joking i'm gonna find him and i'm gonna push pie in his face and we goes like hey coño what what the fuck i'd be like listen dude you and i are hispanic you and i and you need someone hispanic to tell you the truth your raps suck your raps suck dude just just stop. just stop just stop yeah. you're you're hurting people <laughs> you're hurting people <laughs> <laughs> 
I just pictured you saying that to him, and you're like crying. <laughs> you're hurting people, and you're giving Latinos a bad name that we can't rap. <laughs> tears and you're just like <laughs> and he goes like he just goes like but 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 we don't talk about bruno as like listen dude we don't talk about bruno does not give you permission to make scuttlebutt i'm sorry it doesn't like nothing gives you permission to make that you know what you know what we get now get to say what man that was some that was some real scuttlebutt right there. Like, we can just say that now. Or, like, you know that's going to be a thing now. Like, when, like, in, a, in any kind of Broadway production or when Disney, like, when when Disney approaches a voice, a new voice actor for their next project, you know, like, the guy running the booth is like, listen, as long as you don't scuttlebutt this, you're fine. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know that's going to be a thing. That's going to be a and, thing. And the actor's going to be like, what do you mean? It's like, well, Aquafina never got work again after that, so. Ooh, I, I, no, don't. No, no, I, she'll I she'll she'll not. get work. She'll get work. It's just yeah. uh, like I listen. Know. I think the thing that makes me mad is that I know Aquafina can be an amazing actress. I mean, she oh, made my favorite it. movie of 2019 uh, with the farewell. <laughs> yeah. um, but with this, it's like listen, and I and you know, I don't know if you, you know, know that's what her and Melissa McCarthy have in common. When they want to be, they can be amazing. The problem well, is they've learned like what audiences like about them, and they lean too much into it. The the thing is, is that. Aquafina got her start doing like, I think YouTube videos where she does like comedy raps. So I guess mm-hmm. that's why they thought, okay, let's have her rap. And Lin Manuel Miranda knows how to write raps, and it's like, no, he doesn't. Well, well first of all, Aquafina get got a lot of shit over her when people rediscovered her YouTube comedy raps. She got a lot of shit for it. Yeah. And secondly, Lin Manuel Miranda does not know how to write a good rap. Yeah. Like, like he writes he writes complex raps, but those aren't necessarily good. Good. They just um, he puts a lot of words in them. <laughs> Yeah, but in that case, uh, we've we've made this review long enough. It's almost an hour and forty minutes. So uh, it's uh, almost the runtime of the original. Actually, it's longer than the runtime of the original. Yeah, it's longer movie. than the runtime of the original. So in that, uh, watch the original, folks. Uh, yeah. This has been. What do you think? I'm Al, and I'm C. And not everything is better under the sea. Thanks. Good night, everybody.